how much debt we in? No, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to have a separate line item in my budget just for TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. No. That was that was a little rough the first go around. <laughs> mm. Taco Bell really adds up. Pizza really adds up. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts really adds up. You have no idea how much yeah. one human being can spend on these things within a week, and it's shocking. We were talking before FPU about, you know, what does our future look like and long term, and then when we got the email about FPU, it kind of came at a perfect time of when we were, you know, starting to have those conversations between ourselves. Um, and so now this just gave us some actual, like, education and foundation to help with that. Uh, for me, for me it, it just comes down to student debt and, uh, I mean, how overwhelming that can be, right? Luckily, during the pandemic, it's been frozen for payments, so you've kind of been able to just like, okay, how am I gonna be able to manage this when it comes back? When you're in your late 20s, you're climbing out of the hole that you dug yourself into when you were kind of stupid. And I mean, I'm still kind of financially stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> but at least I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to know what I need to do to get out of that debt. So uh, I'm just trying to fix the mistakes that I made when I was in my early 20s, really. Yeah, I think FPU has changed the way I look at money in terms of where it's being spent, how it's being spent, because like Dave Ramsey says, it's all electronic. So all of these numbers and you're swiping your card and the numbers go out and like it's just not a physical touch thing where I'm seeing wads of cash be thrown out of my hands. Uh, you know, like when I was middle school or elementary school or even high school, like it was all cash, right? Birthday money, Christmas money, whatever. And you'd go around and you'd see it disappear and you'd feel it, it'd cut. Be like, oh man, I only got this left. I don't feel that anymore because I got a credit card. I have a whole bunch of them, <laughs> you know? So now I got to kind of retrain myself to be able to think, okay, wow, I'm spending a lot of money on coffee or I'm spending a lot of money on cigars or I'm spending a lot of money on this. And it makes you look at those transactions on your ledger or your balance or whatever. And you're like, okay, these are the things I could attack. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like these are the certain things you could expect me to do. And now I got to be like, okay, well, let me change that, break that habit and flip the script. Before it seemed absolutely overwhelming and that it wasn't super bright and to be fair it still is overwhelming like we don't have this figured out in nine weeks like great now like all our money problems are solved like we're still sitting here after a class on home ownership like how are we gonna eventually buy houses one day i think we have more i think we have more problems now because now we're aware of all the problems we have yeah but at the same time it's like okay I feel like we can get there and yeah. I think now we have actual steps we can take to, you know, move towards those goals. We're able to understand, all right, even with buying a house, like what are all the factors that go into that? That's not something I ever thought about. So looking at loan types and how long and mortgages and things like that. So now we actually have the information to take real steps and set goals and knowing that we will get there. It's not going to be tomorrow, but we're going to get there. <laughs> I would recommend anyone that is of any age, but especially people that are our age or, or even younger to, to give it a shot and check out the classes because we're being told they're, everybody's trying to correct the mistakes they made when they were our age. And I was like going into thinking, I'm, I'm so deep into this, uh, nothing can fix me. It's, I'm a, it's, a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh man, I'm glad that I checked this out now 
because maybe by the time I am 40, 45, 50, like I could help and give to someone my age and be like, oh yeah, like I remember like when I was your, you know, kid like you, you're, I could I could teach you and show you the ways. Like it's good that we started now and I'm glad that we have this foundation to build upon and be able to hopefully one day give back because that's what's key is to be able to keep money. So you have that liquid, that guap, that cheddar. <laughs> Well, hey everybody. <laughs> it's good to see everybody. Welcome everyone if you're joining us. I know some of you are joining us at um, our Abingdon or our Aberdeen campus or you're at Edgewood or you are at Mountain Road or you are online somewhere in the region or all over the world. I don't know where you are, but glad you're with us. This is going to be, I think, fun and uh, important what we do in the next little while together. You just heard Lena and uh, Zach's story, and it's just one of many stories that we could tell. Um, and you can see that there, there's something that's going on, and we want to be able to capture that. But really, it's most important that we understand we have a decision to make. The decision is about whether we're going to trust God or not with our lives, with our money. Not just your salvation. I mean, you got to kind of trust him for that. But will you trust God with your money? That's really kind of the million-dollar question. Now, the elephant in the room is not about the poor performance of the Ravens or the Vikings on the football field, even though that's awkward. It's about the fact, as we've been saying in recent weeks, that there are the vast majority of people who are struggling with so much financial stress and just difficulty and and strain and worry and, and problems in this realm. And it, it's like a huge elephant in the room that's in the way. It's creating so much confusion and shame. Um, week one. How many of you were here week one? If you're at one of our campuses, pop your hand up here. Week one, you remember because you were given a what? A candy bar. And it was shocking. We use those candy bars to remind us of something that just blows our minds when you realize that 90% of people in this country, and probably 90% of us, to be honest, are in some kind of financial crunch. Or worse, money is slipping through our butterfingers. Or worse, we're in really bad shape and need a lifesaver because of debt, because of living paycheck to paycheck, because of just not practicing some basic biblical principles. And so, because of all of that, because of the stuff and the crud we saw as a church and the community and all the stuff we're responding to, we said, we gotta do something, let's do FPU, which is an amazing collection of biblical principles put into a curriculum, and we went after it. And over the last few weeks, almost 900 mountain people, adults, have been studying and going through these biblical principles together. And on the weekends, we've been doing some fun stuff as well to kind of get as much of it as we can. About 80% made it all the way through all nine weeks, which is pretty cool. And all kinds of cool stories are coming out. Uh, credit cards are being cut up. Savings accounts are being started. Um, people are paying off debt. Dozens of people are trying giving for the first time and generosity with their neighbors, this kind of thing. So many stories. I'll be honest with you. We weren't sure we wanted to jump into this at all. It's like a lot of time to spend on personal finances. And I know that some people would be like immediate, like, oh, I don't know if we really want to do that or I don't know if I want to talk about that. It's, it's embarrassing. And sometimes the people who need it the most are least interested in it. But then we kept hearing the stories of how many people were struggling. We kept hearing other stories from our previous runs at going through this. And then I heard Rita's story. 
It's one of the reasons I'm so glad we did this. Rita says, uh, I have been an atheist my whole life. Religion and God have never made much sense to me. With all that said, I also want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing someone like me to attend the financial peace classes. Um, her neighbor invited her to attend, who also, you know, uh, uh, what didn't go to the church, but um, didn't want to go alone, so invited her to go with her. So Rita said yes, and they said we were taken aback by the size of your church, but also by how friendly everyone was. The last church I attended, I was told by three people that my dress was too short, and I needed to dress more appropriately. So churches never had a fond place in my heart. And even though FPU was being held at a church, we thought we'd give it a try anyway. My neighbor only made it two weeks. Life got in the way, and she was unable to continue, but I was there every single night. The information was amazing. I started to live on a budget for the first time in my life. The principles I didn't realize were tied to the Bible I'm putting into my life, and I have to admit it's working. But here's why I wanted to send this letter. A man sitting at my table completely shocked me one night. I mean, it was the most absurd, ridiculous thing I have ever seen. You see, we were sitting there discussing the video that we had just watched, and we were all sharing areas where we were struggling financially. Well, I sure didn't want to share any of my story, but everyone else did. And I thought, well, I probably should. So I told them I was a single mom with two young children that I had to take on a part-time job just to pay my car payment and insurance. Unfortunately, it was keeping me away from my kids until 7 p.m. every night of the week. Everything I was making at that part-time job was all going to my car payment of $425 a month and my insurance of $150, $115 a month. Once I told everyone that, there was this long pause, and that's when he did it. He reached into his pocket, he took a key off his key ring, and he threw it to me. And he told me to take his car. He said, take your car back to the dealer and get rid of those car payments. And he told me he would bring me the title for his car next week. It was a 2013 Nissan Altima. He said, it's yours now. I started to cry, and so did others at the table. But it meant I could now start my part-time job and be at home with my kids. And he also paid the insurance to the end of the year and moved that coverage into my name as well. I have never experienced anything such as this. The people at this church are remarkable. Now, I'm still not sure what I believe when it comes to a higher power in God, but I do like the people I've met, and I can tell you that something's happening in my life for the first time that I've never experienced. I'll never be able to tell you how much the last three months have meant to me and my family, and I, I may not believe in your God fully yet, but I do believe in the people of your church with my whole heart. Sincerely, Rita. That story illustrates some of the power of this thing, doesn't it? And I thought to myself, I want to hear more of those stories. I want, to, I want to help celebrate some of those, our own stories today with you. And that's what we want to do. It's going to be important. It's going to be fun. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's a guy named Joshua who is given the monumental task of leading the children of Israel after Moses kind of leaves the scene, leading the children of Israel into the promised land. It's huge. And, and God gives him an important word. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God says to him, hey, Here's what you need to do. He points them back to the truths, the principles, and, and the, 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 the gift of God's word. He says to Joshua, do not let the book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Get it into your head and get it into your heart. Let it sink in deep is what he's saying. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. 
then you will be prosperous and successful. This itself is a principle from God's word that is so powerful. We all want to be less stressed and more blessed, but the order comes this way, doesn't it, where we get into our heads and into our hearts certain truths from God, principles that are true. And when they get into our head and our heart, we meditate on them. We, 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 un- we come to understand them. The point isn't just to get them into our heads and our heart, but we do it so that we may actually do them. So we can come to attain these practices in our actual lives. And then comes the prosperity and the success of applied wisdom when we start doing what it says. This is something that's so interesting to me. I think a lot of people have a confusion in this area, especially in the Christian faith. We get all times confused, it seems, between understanding something and actually attaining it as a practice. Do you know what I mean? We get all confused about this. We think that sometimes if we we understand a principle, that somehow that makes us automatically proficient in implementing it. But it's simply not the case. They're very different things. Except in the field of academics, where if you understand a bunch of stuff you can attain a degree and that's the whole game there okay but but real life doesn't work that way okay which is why there are actually a lot of very educated people with more degrees than a thermometer who are in actual life pretty stupid because it turns out that the bible talks about wisdom in a whole different way which isn't about the amount of knowledge or data and understanding you have in your mind, but it's about whether you understand how the world actually works, whether you take principles of, that are true and put them into your life or not. That's wisdom, biblically speaking. And we kind of know this, right? I mean, we, we know it in so many ways. I mean, I know it. I mean, I mean, I'm not a great golfer, but I do like to golf. And you know what? I've, I've actually read a couple of books on golf. I have studied the swing. I know the components of a good golf swing. I've watched YouTube videos, and I've actually paid for lessons. I know the grip. I know the stance. I know the little butt waggle. I know the whole thing. And I know that if you do it just a certain way, you're going to make contact with the ball, and the ball goes really well. But here's the thing. If you watch me actually hit the golf ball, you're going to say, oh, good heavens, that is the ugliest, sorriest swing in the world. It looks like a stork that just got shot and has the hiccups all at the same time. It's just like this awful thing because it turns out, newsflash, knowing all the components of a good golf swing does not put the ball on the green. Did you all know that? Of course you did because we see this all over in our lives, don't we? I know the components of being a good husband. I know to communicate more, to listen more, to shut up more. I know not to fix things. I, 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 know, I, you know, I know all of this, but if you ask Carla, she will say, no, there's a difference between his understanding and what he has attained. Are you tracking with me? You all know what I'm talking about. You all know what leads to a healthy lifestyle. You know what kind of sleep you need, what kind of food you need, but you know what? We still sit on the couch eating hohos and ding-dongs and Doritos and Dr. Pepper and wondering why we don't feel good because there's a difference between what we know and understand, and what we've actually attained or put into practice. And my friends, let me tell you what, this is true in the realm of finances. And we've just got to understand this before we go any further. Because it turns out that understanding, even if you've paid careful attention, you went through all nine weeks, or you've been here every week, or you did all this stuff, and you understand all these principles, it turns out that doesn't get you out of debt. Understanding all this stuff won't put money in your savings account. Understanding all this stuff won't write your budget and it won't make you experience the joy 
of generosity or giving. None of that follows because understanding itself is not attainment in any part of our lives. Which is why we try to say, let's take this stuff, let's break it down into some baby steps to say, what if we want to take this truth from God, just like God told Joshua, and say, get it into your head and then do it. Then you'll enjoy the fruit of it. So that's why these baby steps come in. Um, Baby steps, seven of them. I'm going to rattle through them real quick, just as sort of the last time we're going to go through this. Just to remind ourselves that these are actual steps now. That when I actually start to swing what I'm going to do so that I can start putting the ball on the green. Baby step number one, these are steps that we've all been doing over the last several weeks together. Number one, you just put aside some savings, save a thousand bucks as an emergency fund. Dozens and dozens have been doing that. Some great stories there. Number two, you're going to pay off all non-mortgage debt using that debt snowball. You go after the littlest debt and you get rid of it first then you snowball everything into the next one, the next one, the next one until you get rid of it. Number three, you put aside about three to six months of your living expenses into savings. 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, have no idea what this is about. We're only saving about 5% of our income. We need to do better. I love it that Mountain is filled with people who are doing exactly that. Baby step number five, college funding for children or others. It's one way also to, to help um, some future people maybe avoid the elephant of, of um, student loans in their own life. And baby step number six, pay off your own home early. Live like no one else now in order to live and give like no one else does later. And number seven, build wealth and be able to give. So you can be the person throwing a car key at someone when you want to say yes to that opportunity later because you said no and follow these baby steps now. So this is the last week of this whole thing, and I thought it might be helpful if we just said, let's make some declarations together, okay? Let's make some declarations together. You might be joining us for the first time. It's okay. You can still let your heart get worked up on this and decide what you, whether you're going to trust God, not only with your salvation, but with your finances, to take God at his word and commit to not just meditate on it up in the head and say, I understand it, but I'm going to attain this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to live this way so you can, ex- you can experience the fruitfulness and the peace of what comes from this. So a declaration, a declaration is a way of saying, I'm serious about something, right? That's what, when you make a, you declare, it's not like the old, you know, well, I declare. That's like a casual, I'm saying, this is like a declaration of independence. We're so serious about this that we're willing to shed blood over this issue. If I declare war, a nation declares war, you say we draw a line in the sand, we say something changes from this day forward, I'm totally serious about it, this is going to change. And so there's a time in our faith every so often where you need to make some declarations about what you believe and who you trust. And in a world where everyone's finances, 90% around us, seem to be a mess, and that's normal. It's time to be weird enough to make some declarations. So I'm going to give you the declarations that you could say, and I'm going to encourage us to not just say them, to meditate on them, but to declare them in a practice sort of way. Number one, we could declare this. I will acknowledge that 100% of what I call my resources actually belongs to God. 100% of everything I have belongs to God. 
there's a scripture. Let's read this scripture together. At all of our campuses, at home, wherever you are, here in the room, let's read this together from Psalm 24. Here's what it says. The earth is the, hello, we're going to read this together, all right? I don't know if you did it at the other campuses, but the campus I'm at, they did not. So we're going we're gonna to start that again. All right, everybody ready? Are you with me? At home, are you ready? Okay, everyone at the campuses, Abingdon people, get, wake up. Here we go. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It says it so clearly and succinctly. There was a woman at an airport. She had a flight, had just a couple minutes before she was supposed to board. So she wanders around and finds herself in one of these little shops, and she picks up her favorite snack cookie, a little package of Oreos, you know, that little round pack. You know, she got one of those. She's running along looking for a seat and grabs her purse and her things like that. She's sitting down. There's a gentleman next to her. There's a little table between them, and the little cookie package is there on the table between them. And as she's sitting there, she can hardly believe her eyes. The gentleman sitting just on the other side of the table reaches over, opens the package of cookies, takes one out, and begins to eat it right there in front of her. She's like, oh my goodness. She can't hardly believe it. She's actually floored at his audacity and figures he probably doesn't speak English. So she kind of reaches over into the bag, grabs one with a little bit of a glare, puts it in her mouth, and begins to munch it. And he just kind of sees the whole thing, smiles at her, nods. She's like, I can't believe it. Then he reaches over. He takes another cookie out, and he begins to eat it. He's just munching away. She's livid. She angrily grabs another cookie, shoves it in her mouth, and glares at him. He just keeps smiling and nodding. They do this back and forth until there's only one cookie left. And the guy grabs it, breaks it in half, offers her half. She's so mad she won't take it. She is so mad, she gathers her stuff, she storms to the gate, goes into the seat where she's supposed to be, sits down, buckles up, puts her purse down, and that's when she sees her bag of Oreos in her purse unopened. (laughs) And she has a little epiphany that he wasn't eating her cookies. What? She was eating his cookies. Wow, that's a pretty fitting story because I don't know how many Oreos you have. Some of you got a lot of cookies. Some of you got just a little package. But every single one of them belongs to God. Every single one of them. However you feel about it when they get eaten, it's God's. God owns all the cookies. This is where it gets interesting because you can say, well, we could also say, I thought you said everything was nachos. Well, it is that too. You can say, well, what did you learn in church today? You could say, I learned that cookies are nachos. But if you haven't been here in previous weeks, that's really confusing, so we won't go into that. To help drive this home, one week, we, uh, Carla and I dove into our savings, and we brought those dollar bills for you who were in present at one of our campuses, and we handed it out because we were studying that passage where Jesus told about a master who handed some of his money to some of his servants, and he wanted them to, to invest it well and bring it back to him. And so we thought, well, that would be a way we could experience that. So we went into our savings and handed, everyone was here, a dollar bill just like this because we wanted to say, what does it feel like to really think about this? to like carry around someone else's money, to realize that the money in my wallet isn't mine, but was given to me by someone who loves me and trusts me and is expecting me to be faithful with it. 
And I hope that you learned something cool out of that and all of that. And now I want my money back. <laughs> so if you haven't already brought that dollar bill back, do that. There's Ben's buckets uh, somewhere out there. You can invest that that way. Don't bring more than a dollar back and don't, bring, don't put it in the offering. But hopefully you learn something from that. Everything belongs to God. Tim and Janice Ward say that they jumped into FPU because they wanted more peace of mind. They wanted to improve their marriage. Isn't that interesting? That was a way of improving their marriage. They wanted to change our family tree. And they wanted to give more graciously. And mostly because we were sick and tired of being sick and tired of debt. And we didn't want to be normal anymore. As a result... Of FPU, we have improved our communications within our marriage. We've changed how we view material possessions. We recognize it's all God's. All of our money is God's money. And we've attacked our debt with a debt snowball. And even though we've had some storms, we're experiencing peace through it all. And God has shown up in some amazing ways. I can tell that story again and again and again to you. I hope that you can experience that as well. So you're going to acknowledge everything's God's. Number two, the declaration. Are you ready for declaration number two? Here it is. You could declare, I am going to assign every dollar that I have a name in a monthly budget so you spend your money on paper, on purpose, before the month ever begins. That's the principle. That's the concept. How you do it, whether you do it computer, old school, envelope, whatever you want to do, but you decide ahead of time where your money's going to go. This is how you know where your money's going instead of shaking your head at the end of the month like, what happened? Where did it go? Jesus talked about this. He said in in Luke chapter 14, he said, you know, if you're going to build a tower, the first thing you're going to do, isn't it, is to sit down, get your pen and paper out, get your calculator out, and estimate the cost. Because why? You want to see if you have enough money to complete it. Jesus is echoing common sense biblical wisdom. You don't just start building and then realize, uh uh-oh, it's going to cost more than I actually have. And yet, that's how most people live their lives today. And that's why we need to learn how to do a budget. Because without it, you never know what you have, what you owe, or where it goes. Victoria Hewling and her husband, Rich, uh, started this course just before they got married. And she says, Rich had not a clue how to manage money, and I just knew how not to spend it. Having unity in our marriage over finances and being able to pay off his student loan debt was our number one priority. Now, they took this a little bit ago, uh, uh, and I wanted you to hear their story because some of you just finished, and I want you to hear what happened in their life since then. Since then, they have been able to successfully pay off all of our debt and afford a home in a matter of three years, and that keeps us motivated to stay with the FPU program. We think of ourselves as borrowers of God's money and Our hope is to be able to pay off our home in the next seven to ten years, even if it means living right now like nobody else so that we can eventually live and give like nobody else down the road. Before this, we didn't tithe 10%, but with with the Every Dollar Budget app, we were able to see that we are able to give as the Lord directs. And then some. We're also inspired to do some of our own sir blessings, to surprise people and bless them, to meet a need throughout the month and if given the chance and the budget. Before FPU, I only knew how to save money by not spending it. So there was a lot of guilt associated whenever something came up, and I was never generous, and special occasions were unexpected and made me feel horrible. Oh, no, I have to spend money, and I dreaded it. But now with FPU, I understand that as long as it's within my budget, and I know where my money is going, I can spend money guilt-free. And I'm definitely way more generous, and it feels good to be able to give in this way. Now, my husband and I, we don't fight about finances. We know where it's all going. We have a much better handle on our future. 
And just talking openly together about our money makes us closer. Anyone considering FPU should get off the fence. What do you got to lose? It'll change your life, I guarantee it. And there is another opportunity for you in the early 22. If you're like listening to all this and like, this does make sense, I think I should have done this, it's not too late. We'll, we'll get you into a class in early 2022, all right? Yeah, you're ready for declaration number three. Here it is. I will strive to live free from the pain of burdensome debt. I want to live free from that debt. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to live like that's just the way things are. Proverbs 22 says the rich rules over the poor, and then the borrower is the slave, the slave to the lender. So this is about committing, declaring, I'm going to set myself free, however long it takes and whatever sacrifice it, it, it makes. Before we did FPU together, a whole bunch of us had the illusion in our heads that debt was this sort of avenue to get the fun stuff in life and to get the good stuff. And then we started choking on our payments and realizing that debt wasn't an avenue to the good fun life. It was actually a pathway to slavery. And so this is about paying off debt, personal consumer debt, and admitting that sometimes that personal consumer debt is just a way of materialism getting a hold of our hearts and us saying, I don't think God's going to take care of me. I got to have more. I got I to gotta get more. I got to do more. And then I'll be happier. And before long, we're mayor of crazy town and we have fights and stress and there's an elephant sitting on our chest. Let me show you a couple of really cool stats over the last nine weeks together. On average, the number of, in the participants that, that went through FPU the average family um, destroyed two credit cards for a total of about 1,800 credit cards. We cut up with a serious plastectomy over the last few weeks together. The average amount of debt, are you ready for this? The average amount of debt that, the pers- that an average person paid off in our FPU recently was $8,300 for a total, when you add it up collectively, about, drum roll ready, $7.5 million of debt we have gotten rid of over the last few weeks together. I think that's amazing. It's great. Let's get rid of it. No more interest payments on seven and a half million dollars. I'll take that. I, I, I want you to hear, I want you actually to read with me Sakina, <laughs> Sakina Graham's uh, note she sent to me, but I just had to print it exactly as Sakina sent to me because she's like the emoji queen and you wouldn't get it if you didn't see her emoji. So here it is exactly as she sent it to me. These are my dear friends, MasterCard, Visa, and Discovery. She's got a little relationship thing going on here. When I was sad or lonely, bored or depressed, they managed to make me smile. They were always with me, soothing me, but also charging me interest through every step of my adult life. Discover has been with me the longest. It was my first card received while in my freshman year of college. Hashtag go Terps, little turtle. Discover paid for countless flights between Baltimore and Des Moines, and I'm sure several thousands were spent at Yonkers and Von Maurer and random other stores at Valley West Mall. Visa showed up and paid for my two girl trips to Miami and an overpriced, absolutely ugly $145 gold lame dress in Miami. The MasterCard appeared during my judicial clerkship, and I honestly have absolutely no idea what I bought with it. Maybe balance transfers? It took me 20 years of many highs and low lows to wrangle this monster. And while my spending is honestly still tied to my emotions, God has been working some things out in me, and this stronghold is crumbling. All three cards for the first time in 20 years 
have a $0 balance, and it's time to end our friendship. I called and broke up with all three of them, and it feels pretty good to be free. Hashtag Financial Beast University, hashtag Plastectomy, hashtag Baby Step 2. Give it up for Sakina. That's what we're talking about. Bada boom, bada bing. I love, I love the story that Michelle Binder tells as well. She's been through this course before, and I wanted you to hear it because some of you are just going through it. They were living paycheck to paycheck. They were tired of not having any money at the end of the month. But through FPU, they have already paid off, get this, $196,081.23 in just 10 months. They are debt-free except for their mortgage. They have financial peace, and it says it saved our marriage. Awesome. I love that story. Are you ready to make another declaration? Good. Here it is. Number four, I will teach my kids and grandkids and anyone with whom I have influence how to handle God's money. I want you to think about who you have influence over and think of this scripture in Proverbs 22 that says, train a child in the way they should go and when they are old, they will not turn from it. We've got to pound this into the minds and hearts of our kids, pass it on so they know those cookies aren't your cookies, it's nachos. They, they gotta understand God first, save something, live within your means, plan ahead, teach them. There's an 11-year-old boy in this church whose parents are teaching him the 10-10-80 plan. I think it's so cool. They just go through it. He has a little bit of income, and they say, you know what, that 10% is your tithe. It comes off the top to the Lord. Not your pet projects, not what you think is good. It goes to the Lord through the church, 10% off the top, not the bottom. Number two, 10% is savings, and they're teaching him how to do that. And then 80% you live on that. He's 11 years old, and I think he's going to grow up to be a well-spiritually-guided young person who's going to be a kingdom impact. He's one of the kids that gave hundreds of dollars in our mountain kids over the last few weeks to buy Bibles for kids in Kenya. I love it that our kids are doing that and thinking about that now because that's the kind of church we need in the future. If you have kids, you got grandkids, nephews, nieces, anyone, what's your plan for helping them understand God's principles better than maybe we did. Number five, next declaration. I will save and invest my money in a way that will allow me to build wealth through consistent, wise decisions. Here's some more data. Over the last few weeks together in FPU, we saved some money. The average amount saved per family was, are you ready, $5,600 per family for a total of collectively $5 million. That's fantastic. I'm excited about that. People are going to be ready for emergencies and the unexpected and the ability to say yes to God when he knocks. Alan Stingle was that way. He had an opportunity to buy his townhome, but he couldn't. He didn't have the money. He didn't have it saved up. He, he was living paycheck to paycheck, and he also owed money to the IRS and a few other places. But FPU gave him a plan. It gave him hope. He began to save and invest. Now all he's got is a little bit of his student loans. He's worked an extra job. He's busted his hump. He's done everything he can, and the pressure is off because he's got some savings to boot and it's been so beneficial, he says, I want to be able to do this now because I want to get married and have kids one day, and I don't want to be fighting all this then. Way to go, Alan. Finally, declaration, something you declare, that you say, I'm serious about this. I'm drawing a line as a priority for me. Last and finally, number six, you can say, I trust God enough to say, I will give a tithe of my income. Back to God, trusting him to meet my daily needs. This is a way of saying God is first, 10% comes off the top. I put it in his hands and I tell it to stay and it will. 
And if I'm not tithing, I, I say I'm going to try it. I'm willing to try it. Malachi 3, I've read it to you before. God is speaking these words and he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says. And just you see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. The words there are bring, test, and see. If you want to see what God might do, you got to bring and you got to trust. Tammy and Phil Gilbert were asked to facilitate an FPU group this time around. So they jumped right in. They got a budget together. They started working the program. They were going to go all in. And they've been able to pay off over $40,000 in non-mortgage debt and cut up four credit cards. He sold a custom motorcycle to put toward some of their savings, and they are enjoying the heck out of this journey. But here he says, one thing of importance, when we first established our budget, the first line was income, what came in. And the next line, line number two, we titled tithes because we wanted to structure it that way to show what was important to us. And we can already see how God is honoring that decision through his blessings every single day. Friend, you know, we said from the beginning, this whole thing is not about what I or somebody wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. And so if I can, as your pastor, say just very frankly, if you feel sort of stuck in your spiritual life or your Christian living right now is not very adventurous and it feels sort of boring and plain like same old, my question would be, are you tithing or are you stretching in your giving? And if your answer is no to those questions, you're not tithing off the top, this could be the breakthrough that will change that for you. Because this is the one part of our spiritual life we actually can't fake. You can fake everything else. One guy told me, tithing helped me finally prove my spiritual authenticity to God. Nobody knew but God and me. And I finally felt my commitment. And it's like God finally knew I meant business. And things started to change in my life for the better after that. So friends, you can say you trust God. I can say I apply his principles to my life. But Either you're giving a tithe of some kind off the top of what he's given you, or you're not. And if you're not, I dare you, just like God does. He invites you to test him. He says, you know, test me. Why not take him up on it? Try it for 60 or 90 days. And if you don't experience provision and peace and increased sort of blessing or guidance, and it's like, okay, stop. You got nothing to lose. You, you gave some great money to a good cause. But God, if God is trustworthy and you do see peace increase in your heart and you see blessing roll into your life and the satisfaction that you're doing things God's way and you have this confidence growing in your spirit that everything else is ordering according to the principles of truth and wisdom, well, then it was well worth it, wasn't it? So God says, show me something with this tithe thing and I'll show you something. So there you go. Those are the declarations. I hope that you feel confident about making them based on God's word. Get them into your head and your heart, and then let's do it. It all belongs to God's. He owns all the cookies, number one. Number two, know where it goes. Get a plan. Tell it to stay, and it will. Number three, set yourself free. Real freedom doesn't come from spending. It comes from, from getting out from underneath debt. That's where the peace is. And number four, pass it on to somebody. Think about the kids in your life. How can you help them? Number five, save and invest so you have something and can say yes later when those times come. And number six, give to God 
Give to God. Put him first. Try the tithe. Say yes. Imagine putting all that in to your life. You'll have a different sort of sense about things. I told you it would be fun. I told you it would be important. Friends, FPU has come to an end, but it's just the beginning, and I hope that you're in. Make the declarations. Let's do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for um, how your word is so practical. It's not a theory book. It's not a philosophy book. It's a book about daily wisdom and understanding. And so we pray that you'll help us to understand not just how to trust you for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins, for our eternity, but that we'll learn right now how to trust you with the money that you've entrusted to us so that you may receive glory and we might receive peace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.